Hey, this is Carleone. And this is Logan. And you're listening to The Manifest. And this is our newest episode. What's going on, everybody? It's Carleone, and you're listening to The Manifest Podcast. Uh, this is season four, episode two. And I have a very special guest with me. Um, I think I met this gentleman... It had to have been about, it was like my second or third HYC. So I've been here, I've been in in California for about five, six years. So it had to have been about at least three, four years ago. So um, Frankie Taylor, uh, who is a a good friend of yours, and he's also my music director and mentor and all that. And uh, we, after one, I think it was a, a morning service at HYC, we decided to go out to Mary Stewart's. I don't know if you remember this. I do. Yeah. I do. We went to Mary, we went to Mary Stewart's. And I just wanted to, for them to have, uh, you know, a nice, authentic meal. And so we took them there. And uh, did you enjoy it? What, what, uh, what was bro, your experience? I, I was licking my fingers. It was so good. Oh, man. <laughs> it was good stuff. Do you remember, do you remember what you had? I, I had the chicken with uh, mashed potatoes and, and greens. Mm. Yeah, because I, I had told Frankie Taylor, I, I said, I'm more in your neck of the woods. And you keep talking about soul food and, and you you brothers took me right over there and and you guys didn't fall short. <laughs> you guys came through. So you're listening. You're listening to Brother Peter Magana. Um, I guess at this point, go ahead and give, you know, people a, lo- a little bit of background info about who you are. If you yes, sir. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. My name is Brother Peter Magana, and I'm from Whittier, California. Uh, I am the youth youth pastor in Whittier. I've been youth pastoring now for going on nine years, and it has been a highlight in my ministry. Uh, I love young people. I love working with young people. I love working with people that are coming to church um, with different backgrounds, uh, just because I come from a background of not being raised in the church and having a a past life that that I just love to minister with all types of people. And um, that's that's what I do at my church. And um, what I do for a living is I own a tree service business. My wife and I are partners in a business, which is a tree service. And uh, we own a pretty large outfit now. I mean, we didn't start off this big. We started off in 2007 and grew the company ever since. And God's just put his hand upon this business. And we've been able to grow it now to where we're a fleet and uh, we have 22 employees and uh, look, we're looking this year to try to beat records and try to hey. just try to do what we can do, whatever the Lord allows us to do. So we're very privileged to be stewards over this business. And, and it's just, it's been a great experience uh, learning in that Avenue. Um, major hobbies. I love doing uh, water skiing. I love doing ATVs. I like riding motorcycles. I love doing, uh, football, baseball, basketball, CrossFit, you're, you're hockey. You're a fisherman too, right? I'm a fisherman to the fullest. That's probably one of my favorite things to do is fishing. And and Frankie Taylor and I have done many trips. We need need to get you out there, and uh, and catch some fish with us. But no, that's definitely one of my favorite things. Cool, cool. Um, I did want to ask. I mean, I know, but just for everyone else, what is it that y'all do exactly with the tree business? Is it I, from what I saw, it's mostly you guys get rid of big trees and, or what is it mainly? So basically we trim trees, we prune them. Um, 
we shape them, we take them down if, if necessary. Uh, we treat them. Uh, we do anything that has to do with arbor work. It's, it's our line of area. So we, we go in there and we do everything that has to do with tree work. So, okay. yeah, we do residential, commercial, HOA, um, city work sometimes when they want to subcontract and spend some money. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> it's just hard because cities don't like spending money. So, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> but I always see you guys' uh, stories and um, brother Frankie Lopez, a friend of mine, also one of your employees as, as well, right? Correct. Correct. Yes, yeah, so I see his stories a lot and you guys always are doing these huge trees I always see and these big machines. I'm like, man, that, and I should be seeing these guys so, so high in the sky. I'm like, wow, yeah, couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be me neither. <laughs> but, but yeah, cool. So thank you for introducing yourself. Um, I guess our, our topic that, um, like I was saying earlier before we got on air, um, I know a genuine good spirit you know, a good person whenever I get around them. And like I said, known you for a few years now and just an awesome presence. Um, you know, every event that we've been out together, um, I've seen your leadership. I've seen your ability to galvanize your troops, your youth group, and even others around. And so I, I really love that about you and about your family. Super, super helpful. And and every time I see you, big old hug. And I appreciate that because, you know, not everyone is like that, you know? Yes, sir. So, like I said, appreciate your spirit. And I so appreciate yours, man. Of course. I appreciate yours. You're a good man. And again, so, I, I say the same ditto to you that I, I know a good young man when I see one. I know a genuine person when I see him. And, and you and your family are very likable. I love you guys. And uh, I love your pops, man. You guys are just... <laughs> I know he laughs when I said, I said, that's your twin. He says, yeah, we're, we're twins. Huh? <laughs> he loves to hear that. So no, but you, you have a great family and I love you too, bro. I appreciate your kind words. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the main things that I, I, I know you for is being a great prayer and leading prayer at multiple events. You've been the, the main leader of prayer or you've organized the prayer um, sessions or things like that before service or whatever, how, however it may be. Um, like I said, we want to talk a little bit about prayers and ministry, right? Okay. First question we have for you is uh, when and how did your prayer life begin? Because you did mention you weren't raised in church. So what did that look like for you? Well, that's a great question. Um, it was 1998. It goes dating way back to 1998 when I first came to church. Uh, my grandmother brought me to church, and I remember coming to the house of the Lord and not knowing anything. I've never prayed in my life. I've never talked to God. I knew there was a God, but I never talked to him and sure never knew how to speak in tongues and do any of that. But the first service that my, my grandmother brought me to, uh, I remember receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was the very first service. It was during a revival, and um, I was so amazed on what I felt. I couldn't explain it, but I know what I felt, right. that I immediately went home that night. My grandmother was taking me home, and she gave me a preaching tape because I was just amazed. I, I wanted to soak all this in, and, and you, you got to understand, as a young man, I was already smoking weed, drinking, partying, doing all that stuff at 15. So when my grandmother saw this hunger I had, she was doing everything she could to feed that hunger. And so she gave me a tape. As soon as I got dropped off at home, 
I immediately went into my room. I silently closed my door. I locked it. I put that prayer tape on and I began to try to speak in tongues again because I, I just, what I felt was amazing. And so I started speaking in tongues again and I started, you know, crying and weeping and feeling what I felt at church, which amazed me. It just blew my mind. And, and so I just remember that being like the spark of, of, of knowing that what happened at church can also happen at home. And so I immediately fell in love with what I felt. Again, I couldn't explain it, but I know what I felt. And so I, I would try to practice that because I didn't want to lose that feeling. And so when I would pray at church, I, would, I wouldn't try to make myself cry, but I would try to get into a deep prayer where, where I would actually feel what I felt. And again, I didn't know that you could touch God like that. Right. But, but being as I felt God in that way, I didn't want to have anything less than that. And so as a young man, when, as soon as I, I got the Holy Ghost, I knew immediately that prayer was important because I, I didn't stay in church completely when I was a young man. I wish I could say from the day I got the Holy Ghost, I, I've stayed on fire my whole entire life since then. That's not the case with me. I backslid maybe two years after that. I signed up for the military. No, three years. Because I signed up for the military, I went into the Navy, and uh, I immediately stopped praying. I stopped seeking God. I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped talking to people from the church. I completely disconnected myself. And so being that I, I cut those things off, I immediately forgot how to talk to God because I was so ashamed. I was so condemned. I didn't know how to approach God no more because I was so condemned in my heart because I knew that my relationship with him was genuine because of those prayers that I did have. And when I say prayers, I'm not, I'm not talking about asking things for God or from God I'm, or saying, God, this is my to-do list. I'm, I'm talking about prayer where I was able to spend time and tell God how I really felt and how my day really was and, and really just asking God that he would really help me with certain things in my life. And it would easily turn into a, a, an act of repentance. And then I would go into a place of worship and praise. And so uh, being that I, I knew that my prayer life was, was that good, I, not good in a sense that I was a great prayer warrior, as in I was able to touch God through prayer. And I knew that. So when I disconnected from God and, and decided to walk away, it was very hard to approach God again. And so I disconnected myself from everything. And I felt like there's just no way I can possibly come back. I came back to the church because I got tired. I got kicked out of the Navy. Um, you know, I was real ashamed having to face the music of people saying what happened, what, you know, what, what, what happened in the Navy? Why'd you get kicked out? You know, why did you leave the church? And so I had all those, you know, those things I had to face, but I was tired of what I was running from. I knew that. I needed to be with God. So when I came back to the church, I immediately would go straight to the altar and I didn't pay attention to nobody in the church. I went straight to the altar and I began to talk to God the best I could. I said, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. You know, I'm ashamed and I really don't know how to pray no more. And so as I was genuinely trying to be real with God, I felt a breaking and I felt like God was forgiving me. And then I began to weep and cry, and then I felt the forgiveness. And then I thought to myself, man, God, you just restored me right now. Right. You did it. You did it. And I felt what I felt when I first got the Holy Ghost. And, and I felt like, all right, God, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to do this again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to you. I'm going to stay fired up for you. I don't ever want to go back. 
And again, I wish I could say I stayed in, in, in the church since that point forward, but, but I didn't. I backslid again about four years later, three years later. And again, it, in Bible it says that when you, when you fall, you, you tend to fall seven times worse. And it's never a fun story. When you go that far from God, you always feel like, man, I could never approach God like this. I'm so ashamed of the things I've done. And I, I went really far out there as far as doing drugs, trying to curse God, trying to curse the pastor and trying to curse the church and saying they're the reason why I backslid. They're the reason why, you know, I was overcommitted. I was overworked. I had all these excuses. Yeah. And I even remember sitting across the, the desk from my pastor and he's, he's telling me, he's saying, Pete, what's going on? And I remember telling him like, you know, this is going on pastor. This got real hard. And, and my life is, is just, it's you, you won't understand. I'm just a young man. You probably wouldn't understand because you're, you're older. And my pastor asked me one question out of all of, all of my complaints and everything that I was bringing to the table. My pastor said one thing, he says, Peter, how's your prayer life? immediately I got into offensive mode or defensive mode mm -hmm. because I felt like that's personal. Why are you asking me that? But inside of my heart of hearts, I knew my prayer life was off. Right. I didn't say, well, pastor, I haven't been praying. I said, well, what that, that has nothing to do with what I'm, what I'm telling you. But little did I know it had everything to do with what I was telling him. Right. Because I was making excuses of why I was feeling what I was feeling. And my pastor, had the solution the whole time he says how's your prayer life and i didn't want to answer it then i walked out of the office really upset because i felt like what, what he's not even listening to me and i left and i backslid again yeah at the age of 28 i finally came back and and i can tell you as honest as i can i went straight to the altar and, and i didn't want to talk to no one man i was so ashamed again because of the stuff i did the sin I was doing, the drugs I was using, people in the church saw me and, and it was real shameful on my end. But I remember making a beeline to the altar and, and, and I could not even pray. I couldn't pray. I couldn't even lift up my voice because I was high when I was sitting at that altar. I was so high that I was, I was like, what am I even doing here? Mm -hmm. And my first lady came to me and she put her hair and covered me with her hair and she began to pray. And as she was praying, I can hear the words of what she was saying and everything she was saying is exactly what I wanted to pray, but I couldn't say the words mm -hmm. and hearing her pray broke that addiction. It broke that cycle. It broke everything that, that was, that I was struggling with as a man. And ever since that day at 28, when I went to the altar to pray and with my first lady and I repented, I got up from that altar and I was sober. I was completely free. I was completely chain free. I was broken from all the sin and addiction. And I got up and my, my first lady looked at me and said, now be the man of God that God called you to be. Wow. And when she told me that I immediately said, okay, I will, I will make a covenant with you. I will do that. But I knew that what that was going to entail, that was going to entail me being a man of prayer, a man of God, a man of the word and a loving person. And till this day, I always commit myself in prayer. And I tell God, I owe you this. If I take any of this away from you, then I'm robbing from you. I owe you this. I owe you this time to pray. I owe you this time in the word of God. I owe you this time because of what you've done for me. I owe you this. So that's kind of a large sum of what, why I pray the way I pray and, and why I have a prayer life. 
is, and, and that's where it began, man. It, it began all the way in 1998 when I first got the Holy Ghost and started practicing my prayer life because I didn't want to lose what I felt when I first received the Spirit. Wow. And I, I think what what's so important is like the fact that you did have multiple instances where you felt God, things were going great, and then things began to get worse, and then you fell away from God, but then you came back. You still came back. And so I guess that's like, that. that's a segue into our next question. Um, what advice can you give other people that are wanting to strengthen their prayer life? Um, and not only strengthen, but to, to keep going, even when it gets tough. Absolutely. And that's a great question. And being a youth pastor, I try to train our young people the importance of prayer as much as I possibly can. Because prayer is usually practiced only in church services or church settings. And I, I believe that's where young people miss it, is that prayer can't only be a time where you, you get involved in prayer at church, during pre-service prayer, praying for your food, you know, those typical repetitious things that we do. And it becomes repetitious because it's like, oh, I, it clicks. Oh, it's time for pre-service prayer. You kind of repeat those same words. God bless the service, Lord. Right. I, I try to encourage people, talk to God like how you talk to your best friend. It's very easy to talk to your, your best friend because you make personal eye contact. You're making gestures. You're, you're, it's easy because you can relate. You can talk. You have that interaction with one another. And I tell people, because you love that person, that's why you're able to be so open you're able to be just kind of loose. You're yourself. You, you, you could just talk freely with no problem. Mm -hmm. I said, if you really love God and you really have a relationship with him, it shouldn't be hard to talk to him. Talk to him like how you talk to one of your best friends. Tell God how you really feel. Tell God what's really going on in your life. It's not, he's not going to judge you. He wants to help you. Right. So I encourage people as as a married man, I, I have to talk to my wife every day, not because I have to, but because I, I want to. I want to hear what she has to say, how her day went. I want to have interaction so that our marriage can continue to be tight. Right. And so in that same manner, I encourage young people to really strive to make it a practice that every single day, say, I'm going to get up at this time in the morning. And the reason why I choose mornings is because your day hasn't even started yet. Um, your mind's pretty clear. It's early in the morning. You ain't got nothing to worry about. And, and, and you can just honestly give God your honest moment and, and, and practice a prayer moment and start off. And, and I always tell people, don't try to practice an hour a day, because if you don't accomplish that hour, you're going to feel like, well, it's impossible. I can't do it. Right. I'm never going to be like uh, Brother Carleone or Brother Frankie Taylor. Or I can never stay consistent in that. No, man, practice five minutes a day. If you can get up and, and make a dedication every morning you get up, I'm giving this five minute, minutes to God, it will grow. After you, your body's already uh, has sets in an inside alarm system where you're going to get up and know immediately I got to get into prayer, it's going to continue to grow. Then soon enough, you're going to stop timing yourself because you're already talking to God and you have a lot to say. Right. So it's so, just practicing. So for you, you see it. Um as more of a conversation um, with God. And what, and what I've noticed is, 
you know, I, I went through a, a period just recently in my life where um, I needed answers from God. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, I felt like he was revealing to me um, a lot of stuff, but not the stuff that I wanted, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff, stuff about me, you know, stuff about who I am and, and possibly to make me be a better person, but not about the situation that I was asking about. And so I asked one of my, my good friends, you know, Victoria Reyes. Of course. Great woman of God. Yes. I asked her, I was like, what's your advice? I, I was praying and praying and what's your advice? And she gave me this step-by-step prayer list type thing where you could cover this whole, um, it, it's a biblical, it's a biblically uh, um, based prayer uh, structure. And it was, it was created by somebody pretty famous. I forget who it is and what the list is, but um, you, you start here and then you end here, that type of prayer thing. And so uh, let me get your, 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 your um, I guess your opinion on that. Um, sure. Does it, is it more of a um, per circumstance, like how you should approach prayer? Or do you feel like the conversational type prayer is always the way to go versus the, um, the structured list? So I, I would say that when, when I say being open with God and kind of just talking to him at a normal, I just want people to understand that you can be comfortable with just talking to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, now in, in regards to a set prayer formula, I do follow a formula as well. Um, and one of the greatest, greatest formulas of prayer is like the tabernacle. That's what it was. That's that, it. that is 100% absolutely necessary in order to get into the presence of God in, in worship okay. and praise and to that deep place with God. And the reason why is because there, there's steps in that prayer. And first is the approach of coming to the door or it's a self-examination, knowing who you are and you're coming to the door, which is Jesus Christ. Right. Once you get to Jesus Christ, you got to doubt to yourself because you can't stand his flesh in front of God. You got to humble yourself. Once you bring yourself to, to God, then there's the place of sacrifice where the, where the animal actually died. So you got to die out to yourself and realize that I'm not the big kahuna here. I'm, I'm coming to God who is the big, the big kahuna. Right. And when you come to God, there's that death. Then there's the, the brazen altar where the, the presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. That's, that's then the sign of repentance and coming to God saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Because if you could start off by saying, God, forgive me of my sins, forgive me of, of my wrongdoings, all your list of things that you see in other people becomes real small because you just dealt with yours. And, and, and it becomes an issue of God first deal with me. Right. And then once you get past that brazen altar, you get to the brazen laver where the washing is the, the, the washing of the word and, and, and just purifying your life. And, and the Bible says to sanctify yourself, holy mind, body, and soul. So there's a cleansing from the mind, the body, and the soul. That means every part of you gets cleansed. Now notice, after you get out of the outer courts, and it's called the outer court for a reason, it's, you're in the outer court still where there's no ministering going on. That's a place where you deal with self. Mm-hmm. Once you get beyond the outer court, now you go into the holy place. But the holy place is not the final destination in your prayer. The holy place is where you get to see the beauties of the tapestry. You see, okay, this is a better place now 
than the outside because the outside was death. It was smelly. It was stinky, but it was necessary to deal with myself because now that I've died out to the flesh, now I'm in the, the holy place. You get to eat the bread of life. You get to eat it, even though it's bitter to the outer man, it's, it's sweet to the inner man, the Bible says. Yeah. And so you get that word and it's, it's there to help you. And you become the light. The light begins to shine again. And then you get to that special place, which is called the brazen altar. And that place is, is a smelling, a sweet smelling savor where all the, the incense were crushed. And, and, and then that second altar, that fire from the first altar, from the sacrifice would come to that second altar to light up that altar of incense. And that's a place of praise and worship and really giving God your true genuine worship and praise because you've already dealt with stuff in the outer courts. You're not, you're not trying to skip that outer court to get straight to God and say, I worship you, God, I praise you. Then we're just like the Pharisees that were whited sepulchers. They, they had yeah. clean on the outside, but they were so dirty on the inside because they, they didn't know how to deal with themselves first. They went immediately to God and tried to worship without dealing with some things first. There is a way to approach God. And, and in that place of the brazen altar where they would praise and worship, which is our formula of praise and worship, then you get translated into the holiest of holies, where you receive that full forgiveness, where you receive. It's not just asking God no more. Now you're there to receive. You see, there was a process, and it does take work from that person to get to that place. God didn't just say all free for all come and just enter into the holiest of holies. He says, no, you got to follow this procedure. Any priest that would not follow that procedure or come in with spot or blemish, they would just die out. So I, I truly believe what, what Sister Victoria Ray said. I believe the process is necessary into getting into deep places with God. So, well, I'm just, I'm just wondering, is that, you teach that right off the bat to newcomers, like new, new young people in your church, or is that more of a, a, a like a, an end goal? This is, I'm, I'm gonna teach you the basics for now. And then this is what we want to reach. Well, how do you, Great. how do you approach that? As a so I'd say with, with my first analogy or my first example of just talking to God, I believe that everyone that comes to God and I deal with a lot of new young people. So I do tell them because they don't know how to pray. Right. I just say that, that example I was giving you, just talk, talk to God, like how you talk to me and, and just be real with him. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to talk to God. Like you don't have, you don't have to be a professional prayer warrior. And I don't want people being intimidated when they hear powerful prayers from big people, don't feel like you're not touching God because you don't pray like that. Never right, size right. up your prayer life to someone else's. That's where some people miss it too. They say, I can never be like that. Or they want to be like that so much that they try to mimic that person. But that's, that's not what God's calling you to do. He wants you to talk to God. And so I would say a good entry level is just learning how to talk to God, just being real with God. But the end goal would be, to have that approach of having that right, proper way of getting to God in, in a prayer, in a deep prayer, because the tabernacle prayer will get you into a deep prayer. And most times it doesn't, it doesn't just happen real easy where you say, God, I'm at the brazen altar. Okay. Now I'm at the brazen library and you just quickly rush through it. No, you got to spend time really dealing with every piece of furniture in regards to your life. So I would say that's a good way of saying it. The end goal is to teach them that formula because then it becomes a practice you know, experience thing in your prayer. Right. Okay. Yeah. I guess, um, well, you sort of answered this already a little bit about 
some of the major events surrounding um, your breakthroughs in prayer. Um, you know, you said the three times or the two or three times that you came back to God. Um, can you think of any other major events in your life that where you can 100% say that is because of my prayer life? Because I, I will. Asked, this is what happened. I, I'm going to say there's been youth conventions. Um, there's been private services at, at my old church when I was a new convert. My youth pastor, Brother Jose Sesenia. This man, bro, blew my mind. This guy was just absolutely the best prayer warrior I've ever heard in my life. Besides my pastor, my pastor is a powerful prayer warrior. But my youth leader was close range because he was my youth leader. Mm -hmm. He let me live with him for a short period of time. And the same man that I've heard pray at church and services, he was the same prayer guy at home. But what really impacted my life is that when, when I was having a hard time praying as a young man, I remember him coming and laying his hand on my head. He used to lay with just these two fingers too. And he would be so intently praying, I would hear his words. Bro, this guy used to pray things. I was like, man, that's exactly what I'm trying to say, but I can never put that into words. Right. That man impacted my life in praying. It was through youth services, youth conventions. Um, and I knew I, 1999 and 2000, bro, were two powerful youth conventions that I've was experienced as a, a new convert. And I remember spending time at the altar with my youth leader, just praying with me, man. And I was just mind boggled with how, how he was praying. I loved it. Changed me because I was like, this guy is so passionate, so passionate. It's genuine and it's real. And genuineness Nick, makes a big difference in someone. When you hear them pray, you say, now that, that man means what he says. It's not one of those preacher prayers where it's like, and I'm not disrespecting any preachers, but it's not like he's trying to be a professional prayer warrior. You see what I'm saying? Right. He was right. somebody that was praying some stuff, bro. And I was like, I could feel that. Yeah. And, and it changed me, man. It made me want to be not like him, but it made me want to seek God even more how he sought God. Yes. Changed me. Yes. Wow. Blew my mind, bro. <laughs> um, one of the things that comes to mind right now, uh, it's not even on my list. So, I mean, um, it's, what what I've noticed about you and your family is that I see how much of an importance you place um, on prayer for your kids. You know, we're talking. You're how 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 old are your kids again? Um, I have a eight year old, a seven year old, a six year old, and a three year old, and a one in the belly. One in the way, yeah. Yeah, one on the way. It's like I I, I would say. If, if someone did a statistical, trying to average it out, you know, what age kids who are in church get the Holy Ghost, it's probably 8 to 11-ish, you know, maybe 7 to 11-ish. And I see you starting your kids so young, and I see how important that is for you. And I guess um, one of the things I can remember growing up as a, as a kid uh, who grew up in church, my dad wasn't in church growing up. Uh, my mom was, but my dad is a real strong prayer warrior, and he would like make us, even even excuse me, even when we didn't want to. We would come together, we would pray in the evenings, pray on on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings before church, before we got to church. And I remember, in the moment, not really appreciating it, you know. And then now, growing up, being a grown man, I I notice now that. When I pray, I say a lot of the things that my dad used to say. 
And exactly. I say a lot of the things my mom used to say. You know, <clears throat> my dad used to always talk about pleading the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over this house, over every window sill, over every door. Like those specific verbs and those phrases. Yep. And so, I kind of wonder what, you know, why is it why is it important for you as a dad to instill it, you know, that young into your children? Well, I appreciate the question. I, I again, I didn't grow up in church, and I have a dad, but my dad was never really involved in my life. And so I was always that kid that was like wanting that relationship with my pops, but my dad was doing his own thing. And so when I was a young man, I remember making a promise to God when I was a young man, I was already filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, when I have kids and I was young, I said, when I have kids, I will never treat my kids the way I feel. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And so um, when I got back right with God at 28, uh, my wife got pregnant. I had my first kid. It changed everything in my life. And I immediately remembered the promises that I made to God. Yeah. And so I said, okay, God, it's time to really up my ante. It's time to hold my end of the deal. First of all, you've been too good to me, but I don't ever want to give my kids what I went through as a young man. And I want to have a, a good um, prayer life. I want my kids to be, I want my kids to love what I love. Yeah. Basically. And so it's so important for me. And then I had my second kid, my third kid, my fourth kid. And, and I've always set a goal in my mind. And I've always told my wife, first of all, we're never going to badmouth the ministry. We're never going to talk about the church. We're never going to gossip. We're never going to have bad habits in this way because then our kids, trust me, kids soak in stuff. They see things and they hear things and they know things. So if we can exclude those things from our house, and we keep our lives in line with God, and we really do have the joy of the Lord when we come to the house of the God, the house of God, and when we pray, we're not praying like, oh God, I have to pray. We make it exciting, and for our kids, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. They're going to want what I have, and 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 we've made it a goal that we're going to practice these things so that our kids want to do it for themselves, and and to God to God be the glory, man. My kids on their own have sought God. My daughter got the Holy Ghost at five. My son got the Holy Ghost at five. My other son got the Holy Ghost at three years old, bro. Four years old, I'm sorry. Four years old. Wow. And he did it. And God gave him the Holy Ghost during this pandemic. We were at a virtual service where nobody was in the church. Nobody was there to hype my son up. Nobody was there to say, come on, son, go ahead. Just say la, 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 or any of that stuff. Nothing. He was all by himself at the altar. And immediately he threw his hands up. He had his eyes closed and he started crying and he started speaking in tongues. I said, God, you are so good to me, man. You, you are so good to me. And I want this to be my heritage. I want this to be the thing that my kids love to do is praying and preaching and just being full of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And God, God gave me the desire of my heart, man. And awesome. so my kids practice their prayer lives. They do devotion. My son at four years old, five years old now, he comes to my bed every single night. Devotion, devotion. He won't let me go to sleep until I give him devotion. Then I lay my hands on him. I pray with him. And then he goes to bed. Man. So it is something that we strongly practice in our family. We have to. Good, good. We have to. Um, what, I, what I will say um, for you is like, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not a dad, but like I said, being a son who... I, I guess I would parallel my my situation to your kids, you sure. know, where a father did place such an importance on prayer at a young age. Um, 
we will remember, you know, that stuff. And we will be grateful for that stuff eventually. And um, and it's, it's like one thing I realized growing up and getting to adulthood is like whenever your parents are praying or whenever you're praying, you're not just praying for yourself, but your prayers are going to impact the generations that are going to come after you. Yeah. And so we see that in the Bible so many times where God makes a promise to an individual and he also gives that promise to their ancestors. And yeah. so that's why I feel like it's so important to remember that you're not just praying for yourself you know you're praying for the generations that are coming after you and so very very important to start them young and i love that every time i see the photos and everything like that i love it bro um it's just it's it's, it's inspiring so i guess the last question we have for you is um and you kind of touched on this various times (laughs) various times in the uh in the uh, interview but how has prayer impacted your ministry? Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make a bold statement. Without prayer, there is no ministry. Wow. And I mean that. Um, ministry is so important. When I study the life of Jesus, you're going to read that Jesus would always set himself apart to pray. He would minister. He would pray. And he would minister, and then he would set himself to pray. Even at the garden, he went to pray, brought three people with him before he would go and enter into that great task of, of dying out and and being whipped and all that. He went into prayer. Why? Because even Jesus was giving us the greatest example in this earth that with this ministry comes a time to pray. You can't, you can't just give out and give out and give out and not get back into prayer and and touch the source of where you get your guidance, your, your anointing, you get everything that you're supposed to get. You get it from God. And the only way you can get it from God is by getting a hold of God. Yeah. So without, Without prayer, there's no ministry, but I would say that prayer has 100% impacted my ministry because of the life that God has given me through prayer. I'm able to teach our, our young people how to pray. And some of these young people blow my mind, bro. Some of these people, I just feel like, God, they're going to be so much greater. And that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal. I want these young people to be greater than and do greater things than I've ever imagined. Right. But prayer has impacted my life, and I'm glad to see that it's impacting others as well. It, it has impacted my ministry completely. It's it's transitioned it. It's transformed it. Um, and I'd say it's without prayer, there's no ministry. I, I would say that boldly. I truly believe that. Um, and I feel like it's always important to hear from people who we, you know, think are on a pedestal. You know, we think that everything's perfect and you know, things are great. Um, but then when we hear the amount of effort they put into their prayer life and how important it is, that inspires those generations like myself. Like like I said to you, um, I look up to you in that sense. And, you know, and you're not inspiring to be, like you said earlier, not to be like that person, but to have the impact in your own life like that person had, you know. Um right. You want your prayer to be powerful and impactful. You want it to be honest and true and, and righteous. And, and you want it to set you up for success. And so, like I said, you're an inspiration. Um, I know other people feel the exact same way about you. And, um, you know, coming to a close here, um, is there any advice you would give someone who is struggling to I guess 
if for advice for someone who is struggling to pray in a general, I know you said practice earlier, um, but is there any other advice you would give someone who's just struggling to pray? Uh, I mean, I know I've went through periods of my life like that where sure. I just, you know, what I was doing wasn't working. Um, and so I had to seek advice and, and find other ways to pray or not really other ways to pray, but to find um, other inspirations, you know, to help me pray. You know, that, that can come from reading the Bible. That can come sure. from reading some devotions, um, whatever it is. But, you know, close us out with some advice you would give someone. Well, I, I would say if you have a hard time praying, and I'm not saying you generally, I'm saying you in, in the open, is that whenever I have a hard time praying, I like to attach myself to someone that I know has a prayer life. Hmm. And so if it's not just me, myself, I like to team up with certain people and say, Hey, let's get to prayer. Because again, I sometimes won't say anything, but I'm hearing the prayer of that person that's touching God. And all of a sudden my, it helps me in my prayer. And so I just feel like if, if you have a hard time praying by yourself, team yourself up with someone that, that does know how to pray. And that's actually, yeah. you know, exercising their prayer life. The Bible says two are better than one because if one falls, the other's there, the other's there to pick him up. Mm -hmm. And, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. That can easily be used as with you being weak, the other being strong, but with God in between your locked arms, man, you're good. The other's there to pick you up. And there's going to be a time where you're probably on your spiritual high and someone else is struggling and, and you teaming up with them and getting with them and praying might help their prayer life, you know, because, it, it, it's, I would be a liar if I stood up here and said, man, it's been easy my whole life just to get up every morning and, and find time to pray. And there's times where I don't get up and pray. There's times where I, I'm in a rush to get somewhere and, you know, I'll meditate and I'll drive and I'm just talking to God. I mean, it doesn't always happen on my knees. It doesn't always happen with my eyes closed, my knees to the ground, my hands raised. It doesn't always happen like that. There's times where I'm just driving and I'll just put, and this helps too is turning off the media, turning off the social media, turning off all the distractions, which can become a distraction yes, and turning on some good prayer. That That's going to help a lot of people in their prayers too, is that you could put on some good worship music. Listen to the words of the worship music. I mean, it'll, it'll spark up in your spirit and it's going to help you begin to pray. It's going to, it's going to whet your appetite. Basically. Any, any personal suggestions like that you use as far as music? Yes. Oh man, there's this new music I just found, uh, Maverick Music, Maverick Absolutely. City Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blows my mind, blows my mind. I just love the words. Um, the music's soft. It's not, you know, it's it's just. I had an encounter what a week ago. I put on a song and I just sat there and I wasn't saying anything. I was just kind of meditating in my mind on what to say and how to approach God and do all that stuff like. And all of a sudden the words just started popping out. It's like, God let me hear the words. And immediately I went into like, wow, I, I, I began to feel God's presence. And then I went into prayer. It was beautiful. And I was there for a long time too. It was, yeah. I just kept like weeping and crying and thanking God. Cause I didn't intend to get a hold of God like that. Right. But the song helped me, you know, get into a, an intimate place with the Lord. So music helps anointed music, music with meaning. Yes. You know, because I know a lot of young people <laughs> being a youth pastor, I listen to some of the music. I don't judge them. I just say, man, if try to choose something that's going to really <laughs> not get you to move. And, you know, it's it's cool. I get it when you, you want to be entertained. But but there's times where if you really want to get something that's going to minister to you, 
Right. It'll help you. It really will. It'll help. So that's good that's advice. another route too for prayers, music, the choice of music. Yeah, that's good advice, bro. Um, well, again, we thank you for being on. Um, like That's I said, I, I I can't can't sing your praises high enough, bro. You're a great great man of God. Love you and your family. Um, thank you for for you know sharing your wisdom and your experiences. Like I said, uh, podcasting has become a new ministry. Um, sure it has. I know you've spoken in front of a lot of people, or you know a lot of people, but this podcast will help your personal testimony and your personal stories get to people you may never ever ever get to see. Um, and so I, I love podcasting. I, I thank you for being on and, and helping us out. And so, um, yeah, uh, this has been the manifest podcast. We look forward to, uh, you know, hearing from you guys in a couple of weeks and that's it for us. God bless you. Love you, brother. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. For more encouraging messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out past episodes. If you like what you just heard, please consider rating and sharing it with your friends. God bless and don't forget to be a hyphen.